A solitary soldier conducts his patrol on Mars. He is the last one remaining to guard this place, this home. When and where the invaders are coming is of little consequence. The more persistent thought is that ammunition is running low. Before long, he will be left with just his fists. He looks left, then right, then behind. Flash! In an instant, the world melts away, and he finds himself dressed as a frog. He sees water nearby, and, unable to walk, endeavors to hop. Flash! Again, reality morphs, and now he is trapped in an ancient tomb. A puzzle promises something, but is it escape or a welcome release? He climbs onto a platform and looks down. Flash! He is back on Mars. What happened, he wonders. Waffling tailors happened. everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the Waffling Taylor's Back Podcast. Again. I believe, indeed, I believe this will be episode 127, which technically <laughs> is almost all of the values you can hold in a single um, byte of data. So well done us, we've made it to one byte. Okay. Ooh, there's maths. Maths joke, M-A-F-F-S. Anyway, right, okay. So um, we do have with us today John Doyle. Um, he is uh, one of the folks who brings us the Lost in Cult content. We'll come to that in a moment. I just want to say, how are you, Squidgy? And then get it wrong and then say, hello, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. How are you, Squidgy? I'm not too bad. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, like I said just now, uh, we've got John Doyle with us. John, how are you, my friend? Very good, thank you. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Okay, um, yeah, so... So we're what we what we wanted to do. So we want to talk about um, Lost in Cult and Lock On because these are two two amazing projects, right? Um, Lock On. I'll let John explain it in a moment. But Lock On is a project of Lost in Cult, and if you haven't seen it yet, they've had two wonderful Kickstarters for volumes 001 and 002 so far at the time of recording, um, and we'll go into what they are in a moment. But uh, John. Could you could you give us like maybe uh, an elevator pitch if you have one for Lost in Cult and or Lock On? Have you yeah. got an elevator pitch for us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lost in Cult was a uh, independent publisher that I set up with the hopes to bring people uh, physical content that is based around preserving um, video games, films, and kind of their legacies. Um, mm-hmm. And then Lock On is a is our first published product. Uh, it is a video game journal, which is uh, based around the art of video games, the stories they tell us, the communities involved. It's all about capturing and preserving that aspect of gaming uh, in a physical form. Um, and obviously from that, we've expanded into doing a bit of digital content to try and uh, just cover different bases that people don't normally talk about. Um, I feel it's quite important that this stuff uh, gets preserved and people can talk a bit more freely about these things so that's kind of where we've gone with it and it's uh, grown rapidly and it's always changing but that was the uh, that was the goal of lock on anyway mm. awesome awesome um i do have to say that um I'm, I'm absolutely loving reading through volume 001 i've had it for about two months now and i still haven't finished reading through it because i'm trying to trying to savor it you know it's 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 not it's definitely not a a magazine you know magazines are something you can just blast through in about a day this is very much something i feel like it's something that i want to savor and i want to read each uh piece and look at each um uh, piece of art that comes with it 
that uh, and and let that just sort of sit with me for a while before I move on to the next. Almost like I'm digesting it, you know. Yeah, we when when I was creating it, I kind of uh, went with the vibe that each uh, each article and uh, subsection needed to be like its own exhibition. Um, so you went into it, and each one has a different uh, theme, a different color scheme, a different layout, a different artwork. It's supposed to convey different emotions, and hopefully, the the artwork you know accompanies the the words and does them justice, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, a, a real emphasis went into making sure this was as high quality as we possibly could. So you know, r- real high uh, print materials, uh, getting really nice artwork, and uh, ensuring that the quality of the print was up to scratch, and that it smelled amazing. Yeah, I, I can <laughs> definitely return to that. It's, um, it, it's 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 a bit more than that new book smell. It's not like a classic book smell. It's it's a bit more intense yeah, than that. I think it's the, it, it's it just the, it's, you won't, you just open it or you're holding it in your hands and you get that waft of this is something special. It's you know, the, um, the yeah. it, it's the uncoated stock. Uh, it's like a recycled paper pulp, so it, mm. uh, it carries like a real strong smell to it. Um, but that's also mm. what gives it that really rough kind of high quality texture. Yeah. I'd, um, I'd I'd love to say I've got a chance to read it. I've read about six things. I've just been busy working. Um, so for me, when I get a chance to sit down and read it, it's something like by itself, I'm taking 10, 20 minutes out to read this. But I had that much chance because I've just been working. I, so. I mean, I found myself um, with articles and whatnot, I, I never get time to read them. So I would uh, I would read these great essays and whatnot, but like it would be like five minutes at a time. And I, I thought like it would be nice if instead of just on a deep dark section of the internet, if these were imbued in physical form, so people could kind of like dive in and read it as and when they wanted to. And you can come back at any time and read one of these, and it won't age. Um, and it, it kind of makes them feel more important than just being on you know the back end of some website. Uh, so th- I mean the the whole idea with quarterly which is we're switching now to a quarterly model is so that you have time to kind of digest the content. We didn't want to just throw content at people continuously. You know, we wanted it to to sit a little bit. Yeah, you don't, you don't want a content barrage, do you? No, exactly. <laughs> Everyone ducking for cover. Yeah, that, quality. I suppose it gives... Mm. That, yeah, I was just about to say that. I suppose it gives the content creators time to give it that extra... Um, for want of a better phrase, that extra layer of polish, you know what I mean? I can I can maybe take an extra couple of days tweaking this and mm-hmm. figuring out the best way to either to write this or indeed the best way to illustrate this. Right? I, um, and then when it comes to yourselves, it gives you a chance to yeah. play with the, the formatting and the colors and stuff. Sorry, John, I jumped right over no, what you were saying. I was going to say, like, with the with the creative process itself, we, we start, obviously we're on to volume two now, so we're getting into more of our rhythm. Um, initially we um, we weren't sure how many we were going to make we were talking about maybe doing three but kind of quarterly I think fits with what we want to do um, so what we start doing now is I'm already speaking with artists for volume four um, and we're already Whoa. we're already like organizing articles for volume four so most of most of volume three is, is set in stone now um, and I'm literally in final negotiations with the artists for volume three. So we already have the covers done, for example. So yeah, when we did volume one, we weren't necessarily in a place that we could guarantee that, you know, this was going to be something that we could do quarterly. So it initially it was a play it by and see what happens situation, but obviously with uh, how much volume two grew, uh, which we didn't expect it to grow that much. It, it, it very quickly exceeded our like top goal estimates. Um, so that's allowed us to kind of say, okay, well, we can now do the things we wanted to do. So we've got an office now. So I've, I've gone and got a little office and um, mm. we've said like, okay, so that's cool. And now we can actually start looking look at getting more content, get more writers, uh, start locking that stuff in early. So yeah, planning ahead, keeping busy. Mm. Awesome. So that might be something that's worth mentioning for the folks who are listening who maybe have picked this episode and haven't heard the previous times that we've interviewed yourself or Jason or 
um, Andrew, um, who I'm sure there are lots of there are lots and lots of other people involved, but I'm seeing you guys as like the top three, right? Um, you, you are the people that I've spoken to. You are the people who I know of who know a lot about Lost in Cult. Um, and please, pl- please correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, it's just you know that's how I've seen it. But um, the thing to point out is that uh, the Kickstarter for Volume Two ended, I believe, a month ago, or is or is it two yeah, or three weeks uh, ago? Roughly. Three weeks ago, I think it was, it finished. Um, and it, uh, yeah, did really well. <laughs> uh, it was one of the... I'll say. Yeah, one of the, uh, <laughs> one of the biggest independent magazine uh, Kickstarters in uh, history, actually. So not a bad, mm. uh, not a bad growth, that one. It, it kind of did the numbers that I wanted for Volume 5 on Volume 2, which is very, you know, obviously that's a big positive. And it shows that people have kind of bought into our vision. There was a mm. volume one. We uh, we obviously our biggest enemy was um, social metrics. So we were we were running up against how we got people to see that we existed. And I was determined that this it wasn't the issue wasn't the product. It was the reach that we had. Um, so our Kickstarter kind of like chugged along, and then it, it kind of dipped in the middle. And there was a real feeling of, well, okay, we'll have to see what happens here. And then in the end, it kind of like, luckily, it kind of shot up and it hit the goal. But then we uh, obviously started engaging more with, we kind of built an audience. We started engaging with the community. We got the artists involved. And I feel like once the reviews hit for volume one, people then realized, okay, so they've they've managed to churn this out in three months, which uh, of the quality that it was. And um, so, you know, when we're promising to do that again, we're promising to keep coming coming back we've shown we know we've delivered now so people can kind of put a bit of faith in us and i feel like that's what spurred on this growth for volume two and hopefully that you know growth continues we've kind of got a ceiling where we want to be um in terms of it and uh, yeah as you said about the team so the current editors team you've got andrew who's editor-in-chief um he's uh yeah bossing me around bless him that's his <laughs> job though i need i need somebody to kick my ass uh, you've got jason who is uh technical so he deals with the like the final print process and uh, getting it off to be shipped etc and he assists me in the the file aspect i kind of set myself as the creative so me and elisa uh, we deal with the design aspects of it and then um you've got ben uh, ben does uh, all of the uh, content so he every time someone sends a pitch in or deals with text ben is the one that's going to go through that uh, and he does the, a lot of the proofing and then you have Michael, who's our dev relations. So Michael is based in Japan, and Michael Michael's dealing with developers and trying to, you know, get us interviews. And he's uh, he's now in charge of our card game versus, which mm. we've added as an optional extra to lock on because you know too much work is never enough. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um... There, there is something uh, that you said there that I think I want to sort of make obvious to some people that is obvious to you and maybe not so much to some of the listeners. Sure. And that is um, social media. Um, it's all paid. You just don't see who pays. And sometimes, like you were saying, that you, you hit upon the wall of the algorithm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter, Facebook, all of these, all of these uh, companies, essentially, they they will see that something is doing really well. And then they'll intentionally put like a blocker on it to slow it down yeah. and then get you to pay to promote it. Anyone who has a Facebook page, like a not a, not a profile, but a page for something or a Twitter account that has like a blue check mark next to it, they will know the pain of this is going really well. It's gone viral. Millions of people are seeing it. Then immediately it drops off and suddenly Twitter or Facebook come to you with their handout and saying credit card number, please. Mm, and yeah. So I can totally understand what you mean about with volume one, you were hitting upon the algorithm, mm-hmm. trying to slow you down to get you to pay. I mean, every day, the, every day we would have, um, every day we would have notifications of like, why not spend money? Uh, why not uh, buy our ads? And then um, we did one on Facebook and it was terrible. I mean, like there was absolutely no decent return. Um, so I would prefer to support writers and artists than I would spend money on an advert that's needless. Um, mm. I feel like luckily now we're in the place where people know we exist. So hopefully we will get organic growth. But when you're initially starting out, this, the entire system is built around not benefiting you. Um mm. That initial hurdle 
oh god it was awful i mean the first day we had loads of engagement uh, tens of thousands and then it just fell off a cliff and then every day you were getting the same twitter why not boost this but the worst thing was the first day you had like i don't know 60,000 um, impressions they call it so people seen the tw- uh, saw the tweet and then the next day you were getting like 50 and it was saying but you could reach 2,000 people for only 100 pounds so it was really really going against you and I've learned since that the algorithm detects keywords, like if it sees that you link to a website, the word Kickstarter, the word backer, support, buy, pay, they all get flagged up by this algorithm. And it mm. takes a couple of days to do it, but once it notices it, it will just block the, it will, and even uh, if you retweet it, it, nobody will see the retweet. Or if So the only ways around that are quote tweets, and even then they're quite staggered. The only real way around it is organic, so if somebody else tweets about you. That is the only way. So we kind of built our social campaign around kind of defying the algorithm. So our I kind of sat down with people, social media experts and stuff, and we kind of built this on how can we do this whilst we're not being annoying and not giving massive billionaire tech companies money. So it kind of went into the okay. So let's let's use uh, social engagement. Let's use uh, campaign. Let's use social goals. Let's get our community involved and get them, you know, retweeting it and stuff. Because that, that's really the only way you reach new people. Between that and the reviews, obviously, um, that's been hugely beneficial to us. Uh, but yeah, social media is definitely geared to. I, I still haven't sussed Instagram. <laughs> it's, it's, honestly, I, just I don't can't think get my anybody has. Right? No, I just can't get my head around. It. You think you know it, and then suddenly you don't. Facebook, I'm not even going to bother with. Uh, to be completely honest with you, most of our most of our audience is seems to be Twitter or uh, like discover discovering us randomly. Uh, we don't really get much crossover from Facebook and like a couple of people. Um, I'd love to be able to crack it, but it, it costs, you know, the huge companies, like you said, with blue ticks are the ones that can afford to do that. We are literally all working from our houses doing this on the side. So none of us are, you know, doing this full time. It's more of a passion project. So as of right now, you know, I can't afford to, uh, be advertising with uh, Facebook. Luckily, we we did we did uh, advertise for partners on this issue, so some great people teamed up with us, and that's been really helpful. So uh, we'll, there'll be more about that in the future, though. Sweet, cool, yeah, that's cool. Because I think um, I think a lot of people um, don't realize just how difficult social media actually is. If you want to get your your voice out there, a lot of I don't want to say a lot of a fair number of creators and creatives. Um, just think, oh, I'll just put out a tweet and pay 50 bucks and millions of people will see it. And that can happen. Um, yeah, occasionally. But I think, um, yeah, yeah, occasionally. Um, but I think uh, the, like you said, the biggest thing is organic, right? Having people come along, like maybe uh, someone you don't know, like just discovers your website and goes, oh, wow. And then tweets out, hey, everyone, have you checked this out? This looks pretty cool. I'm checking it out right now. That will do a lot better than, you know, hashtag and keyword stuffed um, individual tweets that you're sending out 5,000 of every day from Hootsuite or whatever, right? Yeah. Because because it is, it's organic. It's someone real shouting yeah. about it, not a bot, you know? So we're, we're now in the, what we call the, uh, like the down low phase of the, the issue. So we're not really socially engaged and like our metrics have fallen off a cliff and that's because we're not doing any organic stuff right now. Our next organic stuff will be later in um, in October. Well, sorry, early in October when we reveal artwork, when we uh, reveal some of the you know the, the design elements, etc. That will be when we get our boost again. So we're kind of leaving this as our dry period. There's no there's no real need for us to keep yapping on at people every day, and that's kind of why we have steady. Um, I'm not sure if this has been announced yet, but we're um, by now. I'm sure it would have been. Uh, we're doing a news. <laughs> we're doing a newsletter uh, called um, Lost in Culture, uh, and basically, it's going to be a free newsletter to anyone, and it, uh, it's going to be weekly, and that's going to be filled with pop culture news, uh, games, music, uh, all sorts. So, again, this is the kind of ways we want to keep people engaged. We don't want to be running off of, um, you know, just doing the same tweets every day. Buy our magazine. Buy our magazine. Buy our magazine. When we can mm. be giving you interesting content, opinions, giving you the free newsletters, artwork. That's kind of more the vibe we want to go for. Less than we don't want to be forcing ourselves down people's throats. I think is the expression. Mm-hmm. Um, we should be like, yeah, totally.
So uh, let's talk about. So we've got. So I know of um, the the products, some of the products and things that Lost and Cult are creating. I know of Lock On. I know of Cultcast, and you mentioned their Steady. I know of that too. Yeah. So we've talked about Lock On. Let's talk about Cultcast and Steady. I guess I know that I get the feeling that Cultcast is more of an Andrew thing, just because he is Mister Podcast Man, right? Yeah. Um, in fact, the the episode that we put out with him, I think between the pair between the three of us, we came up with twelve or thirteen different podcast ideas throughout the episode. So. That's just because, you know, him and me, Andrew and I, we're, we're like podcast, we're almost like we're at loggerheads with who can create the most amount of podcasts, right? <laughs> He's, um, yeah, Andrew's, Andrew's been great for all that. And yeah, it's uh, obviously he leads the, the podcast aspect. Uh, I don't really get a huge amount of time to be on them. I uh, Hopefully that will change. Um, but as of right now, I don't. Uh, yeah, he's done an amazing job with building that. And again, this is just so our, the whole the whole concept of it was that when you when you purchased a Lost in Cult product, you also got like constant content delivered as part of a service. So we're kind of I was talking to Andrew actually. We had a we had a meeting and we were we were talking about physical media in the you know in the current generation and how mm. print media for decades was like Citizen Kane. Okay, so like you had the newspaper oligarchs and it was worth tens of billions and. For the last decade, people have been saying print is dead. I mean, print isn't remotely dead, but print is still one of the, it's worth tens of billions, but comparatively, it's a down, downward market, right? And, um, we were talking about how magazines now, uh, most consumers are only interested in two things, convenience and price. So, uh, as we've seen with music, games, films, uh, anything, uh, books, as soon as you offer somebody a, a cheaper, product so like news websites came along that kind of erased magazines from existence um as soon as you uh, as soon as uh, digital music came along cd sales plummeted but mm. then as soon as spotify came along digital music sales plummeted so digital music is now smaller than vinyl so that, what that shows mm. you is the market then gets split into two categories you have the core consumer who just want uh, convenience and price and enthusiasts who want quality collectability and that is why music is now split between people on subscriptions and people buying vinyls or high-end cds and books are doing the same thing so like the majority of the market is leaning towards um convenience etc but you're going to have this emerging subset who are after quality artwork consistency and that is kind of we feel that like we're in a good place because we we weren't built up in the generation where it was so much bigger we've kind of come into this in the digital age so we're, we're approaching this from the aspect of a very different mindset. Like we didn't have all the millions and, you know, what they had in the past. We've kind of gone into this from a self-publishing aspect of let's be the best we can be now. So as part of that, we know that people like to have a, cons- a constant service. I mean, a website, the, the reason they do so well is because they also offer you all these extra editions, you know, like videos. And so what we wanted to be was you buy the issue, but also you're going to be part of a community. You're going to be able to talk to people. You know, we've got the Discord, um, we've got the Steady, so you're going to get articles delivered weekly, which we're expanding considerably um, into going forward. I mean, we've got some new writers, which will be revealed soon. Um, and then you also get the podcasts. And it's all kind of cut. We would like to do video down the line. We've got something Andrew's just set up called The Lost Pages, which is like a cool little quirky comic that's going to be delivered to you. And you're not only buying, uh, you're, by supporting us, you're also going to get a consistent flow of content which not mm. many people have done really um not in the print media anyway it seems to be they go with the aspect of one and done they go have our book go away so we wanted to always be with people and that ethos is going to reflect across all of our products um kind of want people to feel like a it's like a home it's like a, a nice little close-knit community because communities and enthusiasts are the only way that these mediums will survive in the future and that's the same with music. I mean, I see stories every day about artists that are being paid pennies, and they are now they are now solely surviving off their fans buying records, buying merchandise, and that is how they make a living. So that kind of enthusiasm becomes so much more important. Whereas back in the day, you could literally print anything and everyone would buy it because they had no choice. Uh, now people are picky because people have you know they can be, um, and that's why we don't do uh, a lot of like journalism. Journalism. I'm wiggling my fingers for people listening but you know we're not going to do 
those specific things because you can read any website for that. Um, and it's the same in regards to our first issue. We covered PlayStation 1, but we did it in a different way because if you wanted to know the technical aspects of the PlayStation 1, so many people have done it so much better than we could have done. Um, so we went in at it with a, a community's approach, how gamers viewed it, not develop, you know, a little bit of development, but mainly how, you know, a gamer would see it from their perspective. And I feel like going forward, that is our ethos. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Um, I think there was something that both that you said, John, in our first discussion, it was a bonus episode that we put out and something that, that Squidge said when we were talking to Andrew, and that is, we want to know the story of the person behind the controller. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Rather than, because I, I, I think there's, there's something that I've said in the past before, whether I said it on the podcast or whether I've said it to someone in person, I can't remember, but it's like you can technical specification someone to death. You can sales number someone to death yeah. and it tells you nothing about the experience that someone's had, mm. right? It's what I try to say to people when they're telling me, oh, print media, why are you investing in print media and stuff? And I'm like... I mean, you can throw me website trillions of numbers at me all day, but that doesn't change the fact that there are millions of people that are still interested in this and that they, they want to hold something tangible. They want the smell. They want the feeling. But also they want the community aspect. They want the stories. They want the zeitgeist. I mean, so much of the internet now is fast culture, isn't it? You know, you, you kind of engulf it and then you move on, you engulf it and you move on. So this, I feel like, in a couple of our reviews, people said that they felt like lock-on was important because it, it hit a nerve that hadn't been really touched, that needed to be touched. Like, it was preserving the zeitgeist around games. So, you know, and we don't just go like, oh, well, we're only going to get people in that are like prestigious blue ticks. No, we want everyone. So we've had, uh, I mean, I am, um, so I've not written anything yet, but like, I, uh, I have dyslexia. I've had ADHD my entire life. Like, obviously, that's why I'm so disorganized, less, but like, the guys have been really good with that. So, we will work with anybody. We just want to tell people stories. There's no like boundary to it. And another aspect was to pay fairly. Um, I hear within obviously, like, I can't match some super sites, but some super sites don't pay them at all, as we've been finding out the last few days. So, uh, to find out that I pay better than massive websites or huge magazines across the world. It's quite a nice feeling to know that at least mm. people are being rewarded, but also they're being rewarded to talk about content that other websites told them, no, we're not touching that. You know, yeah. we only want we only want you to talk about Four Guys or Fortnite or Call of Duty. Um, and we've kind of gone, okay, what's the most obscure thing you can possibly think of? Cool, let's put that in print. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, you can, like, so the thing with, with websites is... As a developer, I know I could I could write a script in the next 10 minutes. I'm not going to do it whilst we're recording, but I could write a script in the next 10 minutes that will get any website a million hits. A hit on a website doesn't actually mean anything, right? Because all that means is someone's, someone or something has loaded the page, waited for it to load, and then closed it. Right? And that's why things like um, Google Analytics, and I mean, there are other analytics, of course, um, they're mostly pointless. Um, and that's why uh, I, I refuse to have them in any of the websites that I work on. Waffling Tailors doesn't have them. Um, any of the other um, podcasts I work on doesn't have them. The business that I run, that doesn't have them because it's pointless. All you're doing is collecting user data for no real reason. And like I said, I could knock out a script in about 10 minutes that, and all it would do is it would connect to the internet, load a website, wait for it to finish loading, close it, go on to a VPN, so change its IP address so that the website thinks it's a brand new computer, hit the website again, close it, change its IP address, and it could do that billions of times a second. So, you know, um, the clicks on a website don't necessarily mean anything, um, but obviously... You can't do that with purchasing print media, right? You can't walk into Tesco's or wherever, buy a buy a copy of the magazine, walk out and walk back in as a different person and buy the magazine. I mean, totally keep buying the magazine because that helps the, the producers of it. But what I'm getting at is that's a legitimate sale. Someone is going to get money for that 
down the road. Hitting a website, closing the browser, hitting a website, closing the browser is nothing, which is why I feel a lot of these, and I'm going to use the word journalism rather than journalism. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of these gaming websites rely on journalism, rely on quick. We need to get to the top of Google for no real reason whatsoever other than we're at the top of Google, which is why like, I feel like um, one of the things that maybe damaged print media when it first started was that exclusivity, right? Because like, um, let's say, let's say you scored an interview with Hideo Kojima and you were working for unnamed monthly magazine, right? You may have some kind of NDA in place and some, some, uh, I don't know, some embargo that says you can't print this until November. Yeah. And if like today is September, right? And, and if you can't print that for two months, but then Hideo Kojima goes somewhere else and tells those people the same things, but they can print it tomorrow. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, if, for people who are looking for the latest news, they're not going to buy your magazine because it's already been released. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the things that, that hit um, print media when, when digital media became accessible to a lot of people mm-hmm. because you could have an interview with someone and release it that day, release it 10 minutes later in an unedited format. Or, hell, you could go live with it, right? Yeah. You can't beat live because you're only two to three seconds out you know so and 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 i totally appreciate why why print media took that hit um but then the problem with that is that you end up in a position where you've got this constant need for new stuff and so the websites then fall over themselves or rather the managers of the websites fall over themselves trying to produce that what's this next big new big thing we need to produce that okay that's been out for 30 seconds what's the next new big thing you know what i mean so there's no there's really like no big new thing happening because everything is big new and when everything is big new nothing's big new you know what i mean you need that scale i've just got this um, um this this image of Jay walking into a shop, buying a magazine, going back out, putting on a big fake moustache, bigger than what he's got now, going back in, buying another one, going back out, getting a cowboy hat, going back in, buying another one, going back out, big jacket, then a yeti mask, you know, then a soldier's hat, and then walking in with a canoe, I don't know, I've just got this image of him going in and out all the time. I mean, you're describing my Saturday afternoon, Squidge. Nah, I've let a cow with a bag now, haven't I? (laughs) But yeah, I, I like that because then, like you say, you know, these, these game journalism websites, they are just looking for the next big thing. So like you say, they won't talk about, um, you know, this Katamari game that came out 10 years ago. Let me reflect on that. Or, um, you know, uh, Andrew's piece on Silent Hill or Jason's piece, I have lived. I will guarantee you no game journalism website would ever print that that story and, if, and that's nothing to do with the quality of the story no. that's just because it doesn't it doesn't tick any numbers. of the of the things yeah yeah if if they were to if they were to publish a story like that um it would get so little engagement anyway because yeah. the the audience has been conditioned these websites are a lot more casual than people think we we kind of live in a little echo chamber on our social media platforms where we think that you know, as enthusiasts, we are the be all and end all. Whereas most customers literally do not care about what you think about PlayStation. They do not care what you think about this stuff. They just buy the games. So like we're all online moaning about $70 games. Meanwhile, they're selling incredibly well. So we live in a, we live in a vacuum and it's the same with uh, news. So like we moan constantly about like, oh, this, this, this. But the people reading this, they're, 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 not, they're never going to read these retrospectives and stuff because it's just no interest to them. So you kind of need to tailor your market and tailor your audience about who you're reaching out to. Print media was reaching out to these casual people, right? The people that needed the news, they needed this, they needed that. Now, most casual gamers I know will just quickly load up IGN and close IGN. That's kind of their extent of their their news, and they they, they don't care about retrospectives and stuff. They they would just they'll just play the game, or they won't play the game. They'll never have heard of it. And I feel like that that the the um, the engagement of the industry is what's in effect hurting so many industries so like music let's do it on engagement okay then let's pay our artists pennies and you've got uh journalism okay let's make it about engagement and then let's make it about inflating our numbers so that advertising sponsors come to us okay well none of this critical content's important we're at the stage now where you 
cannot certain. I mean, I've heard this firsthand from people that write for websites. You cannot be critical of certain publishers because you risk the ire of them pulling adverts. So literally, you cannot do it. Um, and I'm not going to say names, obviously, but some are worse than others. Like you cannot be critical about certain companies. You cannot say, "Oh, this isn't selling, and this is a problem, or this is bad for the industry and stuff," because it'll f off the uh, sponsor. So you're kind of like you're being really controlled with what you can say. And so then it becomes about, okay, well, what's the most engagement? Let's see what most people are playing. Remember when Four Guys came out, every article was Four Guys, Four Guys, Four Guys, 10 tips of Four Guys, Four Guys, Four Guys. And then it kind of leaves as soon as it arrives, right? So what would be cool is to like, in a few years down the line, do like a feature on Four Guys that kind of looks into how it commoditizes the industry or whatever, like less so than hearing about how you unlock every skin or something like that but that is and sadly what the, the the main bulk of the audience who are clicking on the website all they care about um, and twitter again as i said it's a bit of a vacuum because everyone feels like their opinion is correct and stuff but then when you look at the actual data most of the people on there are all wrong like no matter what the opinion is we tend to all be a bit clueless on it we're kind of stuck in our little mm. echo chambers so i feel like you need to adapt to that and kind of aim towards the people that would be interested more so than anything but yeah I, I, you know like you said you could build an algorithm to get you millions of clicks and that. all that benefits is the sponsors so we didn't want to do any of that so when you when you buy lock on you're essentially supporting the team to write more content to for us to create artwork for your favorite games to tell stories and to kind of preserve these moments um that would be impossible to preserve on the internet if i was to build a website and talk about this stuff nobody would go on it really like you see this all the time, people have incredible, and this is why like I, I spend hours searching the internet for people that are like, have wrote fascinating essays and stuff. And I say to them, would you like to put that in lock on? Because, you know, I know that they're going to get no payments for their work. They don't get any feedback. So I, I literally go around searching for people uh, that have spent, you know, time on the internet trying to, you know, talk to people about this stuff and try and bring them into the fray. It's like the, yeah, 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 the niche Avengers. <laughs> that's it right you'll you'll never get someone who like okay how do i put it i'm trying to pick my words very carefully um your bog standard writer for a big video game news or let's just say news website right it could be any kind of news it could be um news about fonts it could be news about um websites it could be news about social media it could be news about international politics whatever it is you will never get an article that is as well written as someone who is fanatical about that subject because they will go over and above the call of duty to try and um, uh, explain things or to use better metaphors or to be as detailed, right? Like you you look at... Um, I've read so many so many news articles, not just in video gaming, but in loads of different arenas over the last week that are... It's a two-sentence story, but it's 15 paragraphs. And it links to a tweet, and I'm like, the, the, there's no content here, mm. right? And that's because it's quick. Just get it out, get it out, get it out, get it out. Get the out. thing is, though, do you know how many times I see like a writer will come to us and they'll give us a story, and they'll be like, "Oh, I have um, like English degrees and all this kind of stuff," and then they'll come up with this incredible pitch. Uh, again, no names, but like you'll be like, "Oh, this is, sounds amazing," and then they'll send you like, "Oh, here's my portfolio," and you'll click on it, and it'll be like. Uh, top 10 sexiest outfits of Fortnite and stuff because they're kind of forced to write this stuff because that is what people are paying for. Um, and you go through all their, all of their history on Muckrack and it's like, good Lord, like I'm glad nobody judged you on this stuff because it kind of seems like clickbaity journalism. But then they send you this incredible pitch that's like so rich and textured and you're like, well, this is where your passion is clearly when you have an English degree and you're being forced to write about, you know, Fortnite outfits. Uh, so we would like to be an outlet where people that want to talk about these aspects of gaming have a place to go. And again, because we're not monetized via advertising, etc., we can offer to pay people for this work, which is good. Uh, I mean, that was the, the when I originally set out, that was one of the most important aspects. I think I mentioned that to you last time was to make sure people had a home for their stories. something that i said to i believe it i said to andrew 
you know, um, I've been uh, approached before to write articles about technology stuff that I'm into, right? Um, so if, for, for people who haven't realized yet, um, I, I've said it earlier on, but I'm a developer. Um, and one of the things that they've, that these, um, I don't want to say people because it wasn't the people. It was the, the websites, the whoever. They were like, yeah, well, we'll pay you in exposure. And I'm like, brilliant. I could pay my mortgage in exposure now. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, it's, 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 I, I'm not, you're not doing me a favor. I'm doing you a favor by writing this. Right. And it's a real shame that a lot of, um, content creators, be them writers or video makers or, or artists or whatever, they've fallen, they've had to fall into this trap of, well, I could write about this thing that I'm really, really fanatical and interested in, or I could pay the bills. And that's a real shame from my point of view. Mm. You know? I mean, it's, it's the same with, um, like YouTube and stuff or like Spotify. You, you kind of don't have a choice now. You, like, well, let's release an album. Well, we have no choice but to commoditize ourselves and put it on Spotify um, and then hope that we build enough of an audience that they'll buy T-shirts and we can actually make, like, enough to pay back our loans. And that, that's the problem. It's like, um, and with uh, with journalism, it's got to the stage, like you said, that you're being paid on exposure, which is nonsense. You need to pay people. Uh, you, I mean, we don't want to do anything for free um, and you shouldn't do anything for free. Um, at least we can offer you something. Like, zip, you know, I've spent so many years working for free um, because unlike most people, I wasn't lucky enough to, I mean, I said before, like, so I, I have like no grades. Uh, I self-taught myself graphic design. I could barely read when I left school uh, and I kind of like taught myself all this stuff and graphic design again, I kind of picked myself up. And the reason I'm where I am now is because I just... I'm good with people. So I kind of went and spoke to people and got to know people and made friends. And that's, that was literally the basis of this entire thing. And if that, if I hadn't have done that, I would, the industry would have locked me out uh, because I didn't have grades. I didn't have a master's and all this. Um, and some of my friends, they like, they do product design and they, they absolutely hate it. And um, they're like, Oh yeah, I've got four masters in this and stuff and I hate doing it and stuff. And I'm like, Oh well, I have no masters, and they're you know, and they're talking to us about lock on, like, oh, how did you make that? And so it's, the passion has to be there as well, I guess. Mm. But your passion cannot be viewed when it's being locked out. I imagine there's so many amazing creators out there that are just being locked behind a wall because of they don't have the qualifications. Again, I'm wiggling my fingers, um, and it's who you know as well, which is painful. So again, we would like to be somewhere that somebody can come and not be paid on exposure, and in in essence, grow their name. I mean, being printed in a magazine is quite a cool uh, thing to say. Oh, I'm in print, especially nowadays. I mean, back in the day, nobody would have cared. They'd have, they'd have been more excited if you said, I'm online. Uh, but now it's <laughs> kind of the other way around. I mean, like print is a is a great a great accolade. So, yeah, and a lot of our writers are really excited to be put into physical media. I mean, we don't just do physical, though. As you know, we offer digital copies of everything. I'm not going to be that. Um, I kind of I have the ethos that, all content should be accessible however people want it be that digital and physical and that reflects to our product as well if you want a digital copy it's there if you want a physical copy it's there mm. i am um, I'll, I'll reiterate something to you that i said to jason when we talked to him when i got my lock on my big jiffy bag it had all like the hardback cover and the the, the soft cover i don't know is it soft anyway so i got both of them and i got all the stuff with it because i backed it so i got both um, Jamie came round and he was like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to take half of your room to take pictures, you know, of it. So he cleared half of my room, took a lot of pictures. And then he said, have you read any of it? And I said, no. Why? I said, cause it's, it's, I'm not saying it's a collector's edition, but it's, this is top quality stuff here. I don't want to touch it. And, and, and Jason said, well, that's weird. It's meant to be like on a coffee table and stuff. And I said, yeah, but you haven't met some of the friends that I've got. They're, they're very sort of, they'll spill coffee and no chance, no way. I'll, I will, I, I was, I was reading some of it, like the digital copy and I'm, I'm starting to get the, the book itself. But when friends come round, it goes safely on a the shelf. They're not touching it because they're just too clumsy. And it's not as if I can go out and get another one. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't expect that to happen either. I mean, uh, we, we, the original, the original idea was we would print an allocation and we'd see how that went. And then they're all just gone. Like, Mm. unbelievably so and we have to keep our you know within limits like 
of how many we make. So we can't just print tens of thousands because it costs an absolute fortune <laughs> to print mm. these. Uh, like people think that, um, like if you you print it, you're probably making loads of money. Like, honestly, this you know this is so expensive to make uh, that you you make very little. <laughs> so that's <laughs> fine. I mean, I'm ha- as long as it covers the product, etc. That's great. And then we you know we can give it to people. But yeah, we couldn't. Uh, we couldn't run for any less than what we we put as the Kickstarter goal. In fact, the first three goals, we lose money because mm. we hope that the momentum will push us over and we'll be able to, you know, create it. So we kind of, when we first ran our Kickstarter this time, we were running at £3,000 loss um, just on the assumption and the hope that you would match at least what you did with Volume 1 uh, and then go over that. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, we did. Uh, I'd like to be in the future less in that position where we lose money every time but uh yeah yeah they're really expensive to make and we could have made it a lot cheaper we could have you know hacked the pages down to half reduced the quality uh dropped the print like you said it's a nice collector's edition we could drop the hardback entirely which is a significant cost is printing hardback so and you know we had the nice mailers etc um you know, we could hack all that to pieces, but I kind of thought, no, if people are going to get this, you know, you want the utmost quality. This is the market we're going for. And we're yeah. offering all backers get a digital copy from now on. So from volume two onwards, everyone who backs it also gets a digital copy because one of the biggest complaints last time was our shipping prices. That was obviously a result of Brexit, COVID, mm. all this jazz. We're kind of ruined, has ruined a postage for everyone. Uh, especially Brexit. I mean, it, oh God, I can't even tell you how much trouble I get with European shipping. Uh, and that's why we've teamed up now with Black Screen Records uh, because I still have 20 parcels stuck in European customs and I posted them two months ago. They're probably all going to be destroyed. So I'm going to have to send, I've got nearly got a thousand pound in copies I have to resend. And and then I've sent, I've sent replacements that have also got stuck in customs. So I'm still trying to work out and all the paperwork's correct. But it just, it's a nightmare. All this bureaucrat, bureaucratic, crap <laughs> so i'm dealing with that um and i don't know if you know but like how it works now is uh, in order to sell to europe you have to be registered for vat in every member state that you sell to so if i want to sell to germany i have to be registered for vat in germany if i want to sell to france i have to be registered for vat in france you can't do that yourself either you have to have an intermediary agent to do that for you and they charge you i mean i was quoted i think three thousand pounds for the year Okay, I don't even sell that many copies to Europe. Um, so I would lose money just to the ability to sell to Europe, um, which is absolutely nonsense. Uh, obviously, we're growing, so that may not be the case. In the future, we could exceed mm. that. But when I was dealing with volume one, it was just like, well, that's insane. That's like, a, you know, nearly a quarter of my Kickstarter money is going to go just so I can send to Europe. Um, so yeah, we've uh, we've teamed up with Black Screen so they can deal with the distribution and we don't have to r- worry about the... Uh, ridiculous customs again i it kind of came at the worst possible time um because when we launched it this wasn't an issue and then when we came to ship it was so this time we've gone with economy shipping the downside of that is it takes a little longer so people Mm. in america and europe are going to have to wait a little bit longer there's a chance that our next issue may be on kickstarter before they've even got their previous one so you now get a digital copy as well so you can read in the meantime keep you know keep you occupied and you can see our content and then once your nice uh, hardcover etc arrives you'll have that as well um, and we're going to opt you know people have the option to upgrade to track but track shipping is so expensive at the moment um, hmm. it, it's like triple the price of sending it economy and that's just so people can uh, I'm going to sit there so this time we're actually going to use a shipping agent which we're, we're sorting out at the moment so they'll be able to deal with all of that for us um, and they're going to be able to deal with the, the correct packaging. And they, these are professionals that do it. Volume one, I kind of like was pulling my hair out dealing with this. Um, so I've got the professionals involved this time. So that should benefit everybody. Uh, but yeah, the option will be there to add tract if you want if you want to, if you're international. Uh, but, and that's why the digital copy is there. Just so you can read. I, I only have volume one so far because volume two hasn't gone to print yet. Yeah, that's, but that's I will say it is absolutely gorgeous. And the reason why I took loads of photographs is because... And this may sound stupid to people who haven't seen it, but I do feel like the hardback version of Volume 1 is uh, photograph-worthy. You know what I mean? It's a very gorgeous book. I couldn't do it justice with my camera phone, a stool, and a wall. But, you know, it's something that you're going to look at and you're going to go, wow, this 
you know the artwork on the front the 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 logo on the side the uh, the ob that comes with it the the artwork on the back the the way that it's all just put together it is gorgeous right and so i personally can't wait to get volume two in in my hands and then gently put it back on the shelf and yeah. read the digital company <laughs> i'm really joking no i've i've been i've been slowly working my way through the the hard copy uh the the hardback book um but I'm also, <laughs> what I'm doing is I'll, I'll wash my hands before I read it because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm a very oily, handy type of person. So got to make sure that I don't destroy the to, print. Uh, I'll with have just to shift gloves with every copy. Those are like silk <laughs> gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe that's I bought the top an art tier of Kickstarter. I bought an art book once and I think it was for Gree. Uh, and it, uh, it came with silk gloves for like flicking through the pages because obviously you leave residual on the uncoated paper. Um, to be honest, uh, when we first ha- did the print and uh, we, we ordered it uh, in a different paper stock, and like if you rubbed your hand across the cover, the, like, it would just fall apart. It, I, I handled it a few times and there was fingerprints all over it. And I was like, oh Lord. So we went with a more expensive, like kind of like a matte lamination over the front. And that kind of luckily has kept it from picking up fingerprints, etc. But the original one, when they arrived there, I was just like, oh, this is why we were slightly late because the, the just wasn't, it wasn't up to the quality that I wanted. And by the time they got to people, like some of the color would have, I've also learned never print anything in black um, mm. because it just shows up everything. So, but no, luckily next time we've learned our lesson with that one. So um, got like <laughs> matte lamination, etc. Um, and hopefully, yeah, like you said, the, the hardbacks in particular came out really nice. And it's hard to describe it until you have it in your hand and you have that yeah. weight uh, and the smell hits you and you have that weight to it. And people are like, oh, it's a magazine. Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, oh, it's 20 pounds. Yeah, it's a lot of money. I'm like, just wait until you have it in your hand and then you'll understand what we've done. Like, and, and like magazine doesn't do it justice. Um, you know, like all of our passion went into this and you'll tell by how much it weighs. Um, volume two. The hardcover is an expanded hardcover, so it features a expanded art gallery. Um, and we're going to do those art galleries every issue going forward. Um, so we're going to have a, a developer interview and a gallery for every future volume that we do. And that will give you like a unique insight into the developers, why they went with the art style they did, and kind of like delves into the artwork and just showcases the you know all the incredible artwork. So I've already organized uh, the next two issues of that, and I'm really excited what we've got good yeah. lord it, 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 the art gallery and interviews with developers and the hardback it's no longer a hardback it's a tome yeah We're creating tomes now it's not journals I mean, it's tomes <laughs> i mean i need to confirm this so do me a to be confirmed but the uh i believe the hardcover for volume three is nearly 200 pages oh. <laughs> And the price, I mean, the price is the same. It's no more, it's no more expensive, but it's about 200 pages. Um, so yeah, it's, it's insane. So it, it nearly weighs a kilogram. I think it does Oof. weigh a kilogram. So that's going to be interesting. And now we also added in the card game. So you're going to get the card game with every issue. Uh, and I've secured uh, some insane games for the card game. Uh, I'm, we've probably got enough cards now to take us up to issue six, honestly. Um and some of these games are some of the biggest indie games ever released that are working with us. So, yeah, I cannot wait to show people what's in store there. Care to name drop a few, or are you going to make us wait? <laughs> I'm going to make one? you wait. Can you give us just one? Make, I'm going to make you wait. Uh, can't even get one. That's totally fine. I'll try. I, I, don't <laughs> I need waiting. to. If I had all my paperwork in order, I would give you one right now. Oh. I did try. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, I'm happy waiting. Um, and for those who haven't seen it, so uh, versus, I haven't seen the rules or anything, but each each card has the artwork for a specific indie game, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's like, I'm seeing it as kind of like Triple Triad. Similar. It's, Final it, Fantasy VIII. It's a grid-based um, tactical game, and we've also implemented traps and item cards. So ah. you can trigger traps to take out entire rows of your opponent's card. Uh, you can trigger items to buff your cards. You can start... So the principle is it's a grid. You work your way across the grid. First player to the other side wins. Um, or you can play on lives. So you can chip away at your opponent's lives. So if you do have three lives, you have to get across three times. And the, you can set a card down head uh, face up or face down. So if you were going to play a trap, you would play it face down. Or if you have, like a say, a weak card. Or you could bluff your opponent. And 
Yeah, and then there are, like I said, tra- so we released uh, with the hardcover, you get one called Cannibal Jelly. And the idea of that card is once it's triggered, it flips over and then it consumes every card in its path as it moves forward every turn. So then the opponent has to really quickly move their cards out of the way, which can mess up with their strategy. It's a bit like chess, really. Um, and, we're, and we're always coming up with new ideas for how we can expand on that. And uh, every card is done by a, an artist, so it will be unique artwork. Uh, some of the, um, the cards are actually being illustrated by developers themselves, um, especially going forward. There's a, there's a few cards that are going to be illustrated by the team that made the game, which is going to be really exciting. And yeah, uh, it's free, entirely free to all backers of the Kickstarter campaign. So we, it was just an, an added extra that we wanted to... We, me and Andrew have been talking about doing a card game for ages. Um, and we thought, what a better way than to use it as an incentive for the, the Kickstarter campaign. And it, what, what's also great for developers is the cards themselves are like mini adverts. So whilst you may have a huge game like Disco Elysium, which I have yeah. to say, those, the, the team over at Disco Elysium was so helpful with Versus. I mean, they promoted us on Twitter. Same with uh, same with Cappy and Grindstone. They've tweeted us out. They, they've been, so some of these developers have been so helpful. But what that also allows us to do is take smaller games like Jimmy and the Pulsating Mass, which is a very obscure game, but also give them cards. And then when that arrives with the... 1,000 plus people that get the issue, they're going to get these cards and they're going to be like, oh, that's a cool game. And they, there's a QR code on the, the card that when you scan it, it takes you to that game store page and then you can buy it, etc. Oh, so nice. it's, it's great for the developers as well because they're getting exposure from working with the cards. So just nice all around, really. Chess with Cannibal Jelly. That's got to be the name Chess of the with episode. Cannibal Jelly. <laughs> it just sounds yeah. all, It rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It's, it's, uh, cannibal it's, Jelly. Yeah, Chess with it's, Cannibal Jelly. The title is actually... The title is actually Oh no, cannibal jelly! Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! And all this from a, a passion for um, video games and uh, conservation of physical media, right? Mm. Absolutely. Um, card games. Uh, yeah, I've I've been a, card, a fan of card games for years. Um, uh, yeah. Me and Andrew again. We just discussed over and over again how we could. I mean, down the li- down the line, we want to do our own card game, like our own design, our own world. But obviously, this is a good practice for us. Mm. Kind of get used to it. So yeah, and these, like I said, the developers have been absolutely incredible. And there's a lot of great things coming with Versus. So by the time you hit volume four or say five, you're, you're probably going to have like sixty cards to play with, and you only need thirty to play a game. So you'll be able to then shuffle and. They'll be free of every issue. So what you're saying is the next time that we're all allowed out of our houses to a wow, live video tournament. gaming event, yeah. that's it. You know, that you'll be walking around the event in the gaming area and you'll see someone play Versus and you'll be like, ah, you are also a person of culture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So uh, no, that'd be cool. I mean, there's quite a few products we want to do um, down the road. Um, we're working on. And again, I don't want to spoil anything. I, I talk to, I, I say, I reveal things. I need to be really careful. Sure, sure. No, I understand that. Um, so what, what's the best place to go to find out more about Lost End Cult, to find out more about potential, you know, the future Kickstarters, all that kind of stuff? Where's, where's the best place? Uh, lostincult.co.uk. We'll be, have all of our products on there. Um, and then from that, I would say probably the Twitter, at Lost in Cult. Um, regular updates every day about what we're doing uh, we have like downtime but hopefully as we grow less so and then from there you'll be able to link to the steady and find out more about us there sweet okay cool and uh, uh cult cast is that available like everywhere that's you just i believe it's on all catcher, right? i believe it's on all platforms now so oh, apple awesome. spotify awesome. etc so that's easy to... I mean, Lost in Cult, super easy name to remember. Just put that into Google, I guess, right? If you yeah. can't find the website for some reason, just put it in Google. It'll... Put it in... Uh, me, it'll test my SEO ability. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. Excellent. Well, um, what I want to say, John, is uh, thank you ever so much for spending some time with us today because it has been... No I, I've had a load of fun so far and I can't wait. Like I said, I can't wait to see uh, Volume 2 come to fruition. And I believe, is this correct, that it was only a few weeks ago you announced that Volume 3 might be Sega Dreamcast? Yep. Is so that right? Volume 3 is 
Dreamcast themed in the same respect that Volume 1 was PlayStation themed. The difference is because we're kind of in our rhythm now, um, we've expanded it slightly, so it's a bit bigger than Volume 1. Um, so in, in the immediate future, you have Volume 3 coming up, so that'll be towards the end of the year. Uh, there's a specific date that we want to launch it on, which, again, can we keep secret. Um, the cover artwork <laughs> is already done. It's astounding. We've lined up the content and we've got some uh, insane Dreamcast content. If you like Dreamcast, it's going to hopefully blow your mind, uh, including some uh, Dreamcast uh, developer legends that we're going to speak with and some amazing uh, folks there. The art side I'm organizing, uh, that's going really well. The design side, uh, yeah, again, that'll be me and Elisa doing that. Um, And then we're going to launch this week we're going to launch a new, um, which this is going out later. So uh, I'll have to check that, but it'll probably be live now. We're launching um, like an art print store, which the whole concept behind the art print store is they're called patron prints. And uh, each print will come with a a digital wallpaper. It will come with uh, steady access and the artist will receive 50% of all the royalties from the profits. So it's great for the artist and all the extra money we make goes straight back into lock on. Uh, and mm-hmm. they're going to be like timed editions. So our first one, which should be live now, I imagine, uh, will be, will be, um, will be, uh, sharing silence, uh, by Marco, which is our death stranding artwork, which was available with volume one. Um, and then, yeah, uh, new year, volume four. Let's see what happens, but we're, we're busy. I'm very, very busy. So hopefully that will be, uh, enough to keep everyone entertained and occupied um i'm sure andrew will be in his element with a dreamcast edition yeah i was i was just gonna say was it was it andrew's decision that volume three was dreamcast <laughs> i can't imagine andrew, it was yeah <laughs> andrew kind of um i know he's a huge dreamcast fan i've obviously supported andrew with his uh, past books so i definitely wanted to give him the space to kind of take a lock-on approach to it talk about the more obscure stuff and obviously that's allowed us to bring other people in uh, people that I never expected we'd be able to work with, um, developers. And, and again, it's because of the success of the first one, I guess, that it's allowed us to be in this position where people took us seriously. That was one of the biggest hurdles as well. Like, you don't have a shipped product. You don't have an audience. We're not going to, you know, we're not interested. And now people are coming to us more so. Like, oh, can you know, would you do this about us, etc. So hopefully that's only going to get better. Mm. That's cool. That's cool. Well, um, with those kind of uh, those sneaky little uh, bombs dropped, I guess I'd better let you get back to your your afternoon of meetings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a busy bee. <laughs> yep. Um, well, like I said, uh, John, thank you ever so much for talking to us about uh, Lost and Cult. And no it is something that I am I, I genuinely believe in. You know, I, I, I'm not producing these episodes as a way of sort of trying to blow smoke up your ass as the Americans would say, I genuinely believe that it is a, that lock on is an amazing product. And that's yeah. why I keep every time it comes up, I back it straight away. Right. Because it's something that like when, when the Kickstarter for volume two came out, I saw it and Squidge saw it and we were texting each other. Are you backing it yet? I don't know. Where's the website? How do I get to it? You know? And it was like, we both got super excited via text messages mm-hmm. about the fact that volume two's Kickstarter was there. Yeah. Right? And then, um, when when volume one when volume one shipped um the reviews came out and like i kind of i I was elated but i also didn't read any of them i was making andrew read this review tell me if it's any good you know i I wouldn't i to this day i've still not read reviews because i i cannot bring myself to do it so but what was what hit me the most was seeing uh like lovers of games like one person tweeted um i was around when the playstation one came out you know and this is kind of summarized how important it was to me and stuff. I was a blubbering mess. I just burst out in tears because like it resonated with people. And Mm. that was what, that was what kind of like hit me the most that like we, I came up with this in like 2017. Like this was, I really want to do this and will anybody be interested and will people buy into the vision and to see people buy into it and love it was like, that's when it like hit home that we had you know yeah. done something real. I'm not a person that really shows very much emotions, but manga, um, on social media. But like uh, <laughs> getting, uh, yeah, it really hit me in the heart, like to see how much it resonated with people. So that was great. You know, that's been really nice. 
And hopefully that continues that, you know, they can see that this is a passion project, uh, which a hundred percent is this, this thing is being built on love, sweat and tears. Well, I can't wait to get my hands on the artwork and the card game. Uh, cannibal jelly chest cannibal cannibal jelly, jelly. That's it. Yeah. is that going to be your new internet moniker squidge cannibal jelly no, no. <laughs> not yet anyway awesome, awesome. I, I can't say it won't be when I get my hands on it but yeah for now it's not <laughs> excellent well like I said John uh, thank you ever so much and uh, make sure awesome. of everyone yeah thank you ever so much it has been amazing thank make sure everyone me. to check out Lost in Cult you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Make sure to check out Lost in Cult and keep an eye open for the Volume 3 Kickstarter. Or should I say Volume 003? I noticed that Andrew has been calling it 003, 004, 005, that kind of thing. Rather yeah. than Volume 1, Volume 2, yeah. Volume 001. So we can get so to 100 subtly, and they'll fit on the spine. So in 30 years' time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, why not right it could happen let's make yeah, it happen I, right? I, I keep envisioning like this water world scenario where we like we're all floating on our little <laughs> dinghies and we're using lock-ons as currency <laughs> i was thinking more because they're so big and they're made of oh, uh, you know they're hardbacks <laughs> that's it right that's, that's how we're getting around yeah <laughs> brilliant <laughs> it's the lock-on boat uh, be, hopefully there'll be enough that's of it, it. <laughs> yeah 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 that's it excellent well thank you ever so much uh john and um if you are new to the show and you're just listening because you've been brought over by chatter about lost and cult definitely check out the website what we're going to do is in the show notes if you click through on your podcatcher whatever you're listening to on uh, this on if you click through on that there'll be a link to the show notes page for this where we'll put loads of links and if we you know we'll add some tweets and pictures and stuff like that um so there'll be more content there so definitely click through and check that out um and definitely go check out lost in cult go listen to their podcast the cult cast and uh consider um joining their steady as well give them some support but keep an eye open for kickstarter 003 because you know sega dreamcast who doesn't want to read about that right mm. yeah it's coming <laughs> awesome Intro music is Among the Stars by Muse Station Productions. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleanser music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Dagay. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link.